but I put them on the screen because it's sometimes a little easier to compare uh, when you've got when you've got them right next to each other. But uh, I want to dig into God's Word tonight. Uh, it's a little shorter tonight because I want to talk about something after uh, we're done. But uh, I, like I said, wanted to put some of these verses together. I know we look at uh, kind of the different Bible versions. We've looked at this uh, over and over again, you know, over time. But I, I believe it's important. You know, I uh, there have been debates over a long, long time of which Bible version uh, you should use. And, and here's the thing. Every year they make more of them. So uh, I'm always getting... Uh, ads for different ones, and uh, if you're a pastor, a lot of times they just, they'll send you one. So I've gotten different ones I haven't even had to pay for. Uh, They're just trying to market them. Uh, But one of the things that I've noticed over the years is you talk about Bible versions, uh, and a lot of times the discussion can get pretty heated (laughs) pretty quickly. Uh, And then what's what's crazy is uh, as you dig into it, uh, people really don't have an answer of why. You know, why one versus the other, uh, it almost gets to kind of the politics. You know, people get heated with that and don't really have a why on that sometimes, too. Uh, But you know what I like to do? I like to learn what the Bible actually says. And I found that one of the ways you can really learn what the Bible actually says is by seeing where it's different between the ones. So I I want to, like I said, dig dig into, uh, there's three pairs of verses that I had. I kind of grouped together three little themes together, and we'll go through it. But let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for this uh, time. Thank you for bringing us together. And I'm glad that your word you said you promised was pure and preserved for every generation, which we know includes ours. And Lord, I pray as we dig into your word that you would show us, that you'd give us wisdom, teach us tonight, Lord, and draw us closer to you. Lord, we love you. We thank you for all things. You're a good God. And Lord, I pray that through tonight, uh, we could learn even more of you and dig even more in our Bible. Give us a desire to study your word and to hide it in our hearts. Lord, we love you and we thank you for all things. And in Jesus' name we pray and amen. Amen. So the first one you'll see right here, I've got why did Jesus come? Uh, And I've got two different verses here. Matthew 9, uh, 13 is the first row here of verses. And I've got uh, in the left column, the King James Uh, The NIV in the middle column, and on the right is the NASB, uh, and the three different versions of the same verse. Now, I didn't do the entire verse. It's kind of big, but I did the last part of it. Uh, But I will tell you that kind of set up each one of these verses, Matthew 9, 13, this is the passage where Jesus called Matthew. He was a tax collector. He called him to be his one of his disciples, called him to follow him. And what Matthew did in return was invite Jesus into his home. So he invited Jesus. They had a meal. And Matthew invited all of his tax collector friends. And uh, they had a just a big old meal with a bunch of publicans, uh, sinners, tax collectors, whatever. It's kind of interchanged in the Bible. And and the Pharisees saw this and it, they were mad about it. They complained and they complained to the disciples uh, and Jesus heard of their complaint uh, and uh, they asked, uh, they were asking about why he was eating with them and drinking with them. And Jesus said, they that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. 
Uh, and then the next verse, I'm going to read the whole verse out of the KJV. It's, but go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So uh, that's the words of Jesus Christ, Matthew 9, 13. He is saying, uh, I have come to call, uh, I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So we see uh, why did he come? What was one of the reasons why Jesus came? And he tells them right here. The Pharisees were angry. He's eating with publicans and sinners, eating with these common people. And Jesus is saying, this is exactly who I've come to call as long as they'll turn, right? As long as they'll repent. But look at the other two versions. For NIV says, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. But sinners to do what? Well, that's it. Just call the sinners, right? And then again, NASB, for I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Here's the problem. You take away repentance, what happens, right? The Pharisees were strictly, uh, they were those religious Jews. They're trying to strictly follow the laws of the Bible that they agreed with uh, and ignore the other ones. And Jesus tells them the reason that I've come. I've come to call all to repentance. And this matches. This isn't the only spot. Uh, it's over and over again. We see repentance first and then the gospel, you know, then salvation. It comes first, just like John the Baptist, the forerunner, was calling men to repent before Jesus came. Uh, uh, we see it throughout the New Testament. This isn't the only spot, uh, but they, they got rid of it. And, and you know what they're saying? Well, uh, we've, we've created these other versions to make it easier to read, easier to understand. Well, this is a change to meaning. Right? This is totally changing what the meaning is. They're taking out repentance. And, and why would you do that? Because the devil doesn't like repentance. Right? He doesn't like that. He doesn't want people to change. You know what? The devil doesn't, he wants you to be comfortable and living in sin. That's what he wants. In this world, there's a whole lot of people like that. But then if, if, if maybe you decide you want a little something different and, and maybe you come into a church uh, you know, the devil's going to try to keep you from doing all those things. But even if you will respond to something, you know what the devil wants you to do? He, he's even okay if you come up to this altar as a lost person and, and copy some words that someone tells you to pray and then go sit back down with no repentance. We've seen that before. Haven't you seen that in your life? Yeah, they came up. They made a profession. Something happened. But there was no change and no desire to have a new life. You can't be saved without a desire to change. Now, you can't change yourself, but you can't say, I want to live my exact old life and just have Jesus with it. It doesn't work that way. I have come, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And you think about, it, of course, they're going to take that out because then you can live the life that you want to live. And say, Jesus is my friend. He's my pal. He's okay with what I'm doing. Everything's fine. And look, I can point to this verse. He's coming to call the sinners to keep sinning, right? You can just write in whatever you want after that. Because there's no change. Why else did he come? 
Matthew 18, 11, that's the second, uh, second row there, the second verse. For the Son of Man is come to save that which was lost. So this is in the parable of the lost sheep. Jesus is telling his disciples uh, that his Father's will is that none should perish. Uh, and remember, it's like we got the 99 that are safe. We're going to go after the one, right? Even one lost sheep is not enough. The Father wants them all uh, to be saved. That's his will. And again, this this isn't the only spot that talks about that. Uh, but Jesus came to save sinners, uh, to reach the lost. He paid the penalty for sin so that all could be saved. But here's the problem. You look at these other versions. They took out the entire thing. Why did Jesus come? To save that which was lost. Pretty simple. It's not hard to read. They took it entirely out. So now you've got the parable of the lost sheep. And him saying, him talking about uh, the 99 and going to get the one. But if you take this part out, what's he even talking about? Lost what? Lost directions, right? Lost, don't know what I want with my life and my career. You can put anything you want in there. If you take out, he's saving the lost. And that's why they do that. And this is why they do these things. It's so it appeals to more people. And it makes sense because if I'm going to sell something, I want to sell as much as I can. And so I'm not going to make a, a bunch of people mad at my product. I'm going to try to sell it to as many as possible and make it work for as many as possible. Well, to do that, you have to make little tweaks. And that's what we see. So let's look at the next one. How are we saved? This is important, isn't it? How do we get saved? First, we were talking about, uh, uh, before that, we were talking about why, you know, just him being saved. Jesus, why did he come to save the lost? Now it's how are we being saved? Colossians 1.14, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of of sins. So in this in Colossians 1 here in this part, Paul is giving a prayer to the church. Uh, he's praying for them and he is giving thanks for the church. So he is talking about uh, uh, in, in the verse right above it, the previous verse, he's talking about God the Father and then he switches to talking about Jesus Christ and then all, uh, which all three versions do that in verse 13. But then you get to verse 14 uh, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. You notice what's taken out through his blood, right? The NIV in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And then again in NASB in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. The exact same thing. And all that that's doing, that redemption is, or the forgiveness of sin is kind of defining redemption. That's all it's doing. It doesn't tell you how. How, how did we get saved? How did we get redemption? How did we get redeemed? Redeemed means the price that was paid to forgive us for our sins. How did Jesus redeem us? How did he pay the price for our sins? Well, the King James makes it clear through his blood, right? That's how we got forgiveness of sins. Hebrews 9.22, and almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without the shedding of blood is no remission. Right? So why would they want to take it out? Why, if, if that's the price it takes, if that's how you get your sins remitted, forgiven, if that's how you get redemption, why would they take it out? It's again to appeal to a broad number. 
How else do you want forgiveness of sins other than Jesus Christ dying on the cross? Well, if it says through his blood, you're in trouble. If you take that out, we can say, well, we can get what's given from Jesus, but we don't need the cross part. We don't like that. It's ugly. It's messy. Right? We just say, because Jesus is a nice guy. But that's not justice. That's not paying the price. As we go on, Acts 8.37, And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. This is probably, I know I've mentioned this a bunch of times, but this is the one that makes me the most mad. I think of just about all the verses that are totally taken out. This is Philip uh, is guided by the Holy Spirit to the Ethiopian eunuch. Uh, his chariot's going by. He gets invited up into the chariot. Uh, the, the eunuch is reading from his scroll of Isaiah. He's reading Isaiah 53. Uh, of course, he's reading that chapter uh, just by coincidence, the one that's uh, fully talking about Jesus Christ. And he's asking, the eunuch's asking Philip, who, who's this, uh, who is this person? Is this the prophet talking about himself? And, and Philip uh, gives that, you know, what they call it, like an underhanded, just, uh, you know, just throwing it up to the batter. Like, I mean, just a, a, an easy one to hit. Philip starts preaching Jesus Christ to him from Isaiah 53. Wouldn't have been hard at all, uh, you know, for he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. You know, so he's, he's reading that and he's telling him about Jesus Christ. So then the eunuch sees water in the chariot and he asks the question, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? That's the verse before, 36. And Philip answers the question, Can I get baptized? Here's water. Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And then right after that, as soon as he says that, verse 38, and he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went both down into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. Look what's going on with the NIV and the NASB. They took the verse entirely out. Now, I only did two of them this time just because to fit it in the screen and everything else. But generally... If it's these two, a whole bunch of them are going to be the same. So you look at ESV and different ones, they just about are all the same when it comes to these changes and omissions and everything else. So you're thinking, okay, if we take that out, what is it? Well, it goes, see, here's water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? The question, and he commanded the chariot to stand still. They got out and they got baptized. Nothing. Nothing. He didn't answer the question. They just randomly stopped the chariot. But even more than that, baptism will save you without Jesus Christ. If you're taking, what is that? There's no sense in getting baptized if you don't believe in Jesus Christ first. But if you're going to baptize babies for forgiveness of sins, you got to take that out because they can't do that. And that's what they've done. That's what they've done. This, this is why I have gotten multiple calls over the years, just cold calls, someone saying, hey, can I come and get baptized? I don't even know the person. They want to get baptized. Why? But you know what I do every time? It's easy. I take them to this story. And I, I say, listen, in your, do you have a Bible? 
Open it up. This exact thing happened in the Bible, and somebody asked the question. You want to see what the answer is? Well, yeah. And they tell them. You want to get baptized? You've got to believe in Jesus Christ first. Yeah. Amen? It's easy at that point. But of course they take it out. Why would they remove it? they got to sell more. If, uh, if baptism doesn't save you, then my goodness, we, we're not going to be able to sell as much. And then finally this one. What happens next? So why did Jesus come? How did he get saved? And then what happens next? Matthew 25, 13. This is Jesus speaking. He says, uh, watch therefore, for ye know uh, neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. Now this is in the parable of the ten virgins. So this is the five wise, the five foolish. And you remember that whole parable? The, the application of it is this last verse. This is the application. Uh, is it, saying, hey, since we don't know when Jesus is returning, when we don't know when the rapture is going to take place, we don't know when these things are going to happen, we have to be ready at all times. If you're not ready, you risk being unprepared like the five foolish. But if you are ready at all times, you will be rewarded like the five wise. That's what it's saying. And this, this again, this is the application verse. What are we to do? Watch, therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. But look at the other versions. NIV, you do not know the day or the hour. And again, NASB, you do not know the day nor the hour. Now, here's the problem. I read this. You do not know the day or the hour. I can look at my watch and tell you it is 10 till 8. It's Wednesday, July the 19th. I know the day and the hour. What does that mean? Right. What does it mean? We know it. We can, get the, we can get the time on everything we have now. Everything has the time on it. You don't know the day or the hour. Of what? When the Son of Man comes. Right. And this is one of the problems I see over and over again. And you can get verse after verse after verse. People will say, Mike, well, they're not changing it. But here's the, what they're doing. They're introducing confusion where there was no confusion. It's supposed to be easier to read, but it's harder to understand. What is this? You don't know the day and the hour of what? Of what? He's saying watch. They're not even saying watch. Watch therefore. Therefore. That's why I just said all this. Jesus is coming back. Right? Amen. Amen. He's going to judge the quick and the dead. That's what the Bible says. He's going to judge the saved and the lost. Different judgments for each. Uh, but what are these, a lot of these so-called Christian groups, what do they not want? They don't want judgment. Right? You, they are saying, uh, they come up with just ridiculous things uh, to get around judgment, right? Uh, he's not coming to judge. We're not going to have a heaven. We're going to turn this place into heaven. That's crazy, right? And we're going in the wrong direction, by the way. And, and we're going to evolve and everything else. They don't want it, so they've got to take things out. So that way it fits what their beliefs are. And it's, it's gross. It's a lie. It's the deception of the devil. And then finally, Revelation 21, 24, and the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it and the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. This chapter is incredible. I love 
Revelation 21 is one you can read over and over again. I've memorized the first part of it. That's the new heaven, new earth, new Jerusalem coming down, uh, all of those things. Uh, John describes what he saw, the city, its gates. Uh, the lamb will be the temple. There's no need for the sun because of the lamb. And that's capital L, Jesus Christ. So it's an exciting thing. But then finally in verse 24, it gets to who's going to be in New Jerusalem. That's a good question, right? Who, who's going to be there? And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it. And the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor to it. All, and the nations, which means all over the earth. Praise God. Not just Israel, because we're going to be there. Amen. But it's the ones that are saved. Who do they say are going to be there? The nations will walk in its light, and the nations shall walk by its light. Anybody. All over the world. Anybody, everybody going to be there. Doesn't matter if you're saved because they took that out. It's just the nations. There's no other verse in the chapter that talks about who's going to be there, but that one right there. So of course they got to cut that out. You don't need to be saved to go to heaven. That'll sell you a lot of Bibles. Amen? But it's a lie. Them that are saved. But then it's again. Why would you take that out? So everyone can go, right? You take out judgment. You take out having to be ready. You take out the need for salvation. You take out the blood, right? What else do we? Uh, you take out the fact that you got to believe in Jesus Christ to be saved. You take out repentance. And you take out the whole purpose, Jesus coming to save that which was lost. Six verses, right? That's all we did was six. And just a handful of changes, a handful of words, Cutting a couple out, and you've changed everything. Right? That's why when people ask, why do we preach and teach out of the KJV? Why do we give it out? Why do we study it? Why do we not have all kinds of different ones? It's stuff like this. Yeah. And you could do this over and over again all day long. And we have. We've done it. We've done different groups of verses. But what I found is they attack the most important words. If they're going to attack words in there, it's the most important. And one of the things I noticed uh, today, I was looking at uh, other verses, is I was amazed how many times if our Bible says uh, Jesus Christ, a lot of times they'll take one of the two out. They'll either leave Jesus or leave Christ. Now, if it says Lord Jesus Christ, they're only leaving one of those three. Why? And they love changing God to He. Why? God is more specific. He is not. He could be all kinds of people. And that's the problem. So you can just do this over and over again. And that is why when people ask, why do, because I've had people ask, why do you guys preach and teach that? And they're expecting the answer, well, that's what we've always done. I say, no, we've studied it. And we agree. And we're not changing because to change, what would we be doing? Because here's the thing. If you grow up with the KJV, you can read these and understand it and not be confused. If you start with these, you're going to be in trouble. So again, I, I want to do that one a little shorter. we got a little bit of time left. Um,